Father, thank you for this beautiful, beautiful day that you've given us to come here to worship you. Thank you, Lord, for these, your beautiful children that have come here on such a beautiful day to come inside to be fed the pure manna from heaven. Let them be blessed because of it, Lord. Let them say, I am so glad I went because the Lord really spoke to my heart today. Let them take the seed of this precious word and allow it to take root and bear fruit in the garden of their hearts, Lord. Let them be helped, healed, empowered, loved, and prospered, and go and help others in the same way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Thursday is Thanksgiving. Amen. And so I want to wish all of you a very happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas and everything that goes with it. And thank God for the luxury of being in a country that is free to worship as we choose. We can't force everybody, but we can sure tell them about it. That's what's missing is uh, is the sharing of the gospel. And really, it's the fear of man in many cases that keeps us from doing that. You say, I ain't scared of nobody. Well, you might be and not want to admit it. Every time you really get mad at somebody, you're really afraid of something. There's all kinds of fear. It's like an onion. It's like pride. Lots of layers. <laughs> I'm running like, Lord, how many layers do I have left? <laughs> but anyway, if he's... <laughs> that song Javon was singing to me last night. <laughs> if, if you're happy and you know it, she was singing that song. I just popped in my head. If, if he's really in your heart, <laughs> almost busted it. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. <laughs> oh, forgive me, Lord. Anyway, don't forget to share him this holiday season. Amen? Amen. Share him with us. Just... And you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be great with words. Look at me. Just be. He's not looking at your ability so much as your availability. And that's what, you know, someone was asking about somebody else this morning. And, and you know, it's just God has a plan, a calling of some sort. Not everybody's going to be up here. But if you've called to be a part of of this church or a church, any church, you know, then you're just as much a part of that church as as I am, you know. I'm the driver of the bus. You can't drive. But you gotta find your seat. You there is an assigned seat. There is something, you know, and so it's as much a part of you as it is me. And that's why I tell everybody, do it prayerfully, you know, and if you feel it, then you can get after it. You know, jump in with both feet, and we'll uh, we'll all ride this thing out together. Amen. Amen. And if you just come in to say howdy and see what's going on, then we're blessed to have you, man. Blessed to know you. We love everybody, and we want everybody to know the Savior that we know in the way that we are coming to know Him. Amen. 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 Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving.
and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. There's a good indication of how you should enter into your prayer life. You know, don't just start out with your laundry list of complaints and wants. Because the Bible says he already knows everything you need before you even tell him. So most of your prayer life should just be thanking him and praising him. You know, cruising on your Harley down the highway saying, man, Lord, check you out. Thank you. This is awesome. You know, that's prayer. I'm telling you now. That's praise and worship. And God inhabits the praise of his people. And then, you know, when you're done telling him how good, how awesome he is and how faithful he's been, even though things, quit looking at all the situations and circumstances. Quit focus on what, what, what the devil has taken from you. Focus on what God has promised to give you and what has always been there to bail you out. Amen. Amen. And then at the very end, you know, and Lord, don't forget. <laughs> I got a stack of bills. <laughs> I know. I'm going to believe you for them then. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I know to do. And I'm going to keep believing you. Keep sowing. And I'm believing for the harvest. Amen. Amen. I'd like to, on Thanksgiving, talk a little bit about the original Thanksgiving. There's a couple little stories that are of interest. And, you know, the, the pilgrims, when they came over uh, on the Mayflower, landed at Plymouth Rock in 1620. There was, uh, there was like 102 passengers, and they were for months out there on the, you know, the Atlantic is not, is not a very friendly ocean, an old wooden ship, and it was pretty rough. And when they finally got there, they weren't really ready. Uh, it was December 11th. In New England, I'll put it like that. They weren't prepared for what they, that kind of winter. And uh, a lot of folks uh, didn't make it. But they, uh, they signed something called the, the Mayflower Compact on that ship before they got off. It was the fo- first form of civil government. And, um, to, and that's what they, they, they went by. But these were Christians. They came here to have... Uh, Freedom and religious religious freedom and 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 free to be free of uh, of government that was persecuting them for their religion. So it was, it's all been Christian based from the beginning. You know they had the first that next year they made it with the help of some some cool Indians, and uh, they had a Thanksgiving feast for three days as the first one that was ever here. They had. They had some kind of a Thanksgiving in Virginia a couple of years before, but this was the first. Feast given by these Christians, and they prayed. And I have a little thing here from a pilgrim, Edward Winslow. He wrote a. You know, they found some of the writings of these people, the books, the journals. He described that that first Thanksgiving like this. He said, "Our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling, bird hunting, so that we might, after a special manner, rejoice together after we had gathered the fruit of our labors." They four in one day killed as much fowl as served the company almost a week. Many of the Indians came amongst us and their greatest king, Massasoit, with some ninety men, whom for three days we entertained and feasted. And they went out and killed five deer, which they brought. And although it 
be not always so plentiful as it was at that this time with us, yet by the goodness of God we are far from want. And uh, and then in 1789, um, George Washington issued a, a proclamation. Um, where America celebrated its first day of Thanksgiving to God under the new constitution. And that same year, the church that he was a member of, which was a Episcopal Protestant church, uh, they, they, they said every fourth Thursday was going to be their Thanksgiving set aside to give thanks. And then for 30 years, a woman, uh, Named Sarah Joseph Hale, editor of Gaudy's Ladies Book. For 30 years, she went promoted the idea of this National Day of Thanksgiving, and she she went to president after president asking for it, until finally, in 1863, Abraham Lincoln listened to her. And this is a, this is a great story. So I just want to I, I like to share this. Um. Because 1863, that was uh, some pretty troubled times. And, eight, and Abraham Lincoln was, uh, <laughs> he's very popular now, but he, uh, he's, uh, besides the current uh, president, uh, he, had, uh, he may be the only one who had worse press than this one. <laughs> yeah. He was a Republican too. Amen. But he was... But and it is it is more similar. Watch this. So he set aside the last Thursday of November in 1863 as the National Day of Thanksgiving, and over the next 75 years, presidents followed Lincoln's precedent annually declaring a national Thanksgiving Day. Then in 1941, and we know what happened then, Congress permanently established the fourth Thursday of each November as a national holiday. So just a week or two after. The first Thanksgiving officially, then Pearl Harbor came. But back to Lincoln, his original 1863 Thanksgiving proclamation, which I have read, is is really lengthy, so I wouldn't even think about boring you with it. But it came, spiritually speaking, at a a really pivotal point in the life of, of Abraham Lincoln. During the first week of July of that year, of 1863, the Battle of Gettysburg occurred. And 60,000 American lives were lost in that one battle. It was a terrible, terrible thing. But four months later, in November, Abraham Lincoln delivered his famous Gettysburg Address. You know, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Altogether, therefore, fitting and proper... It was while Lincoln was walking around the thousands of graves at Gettysburg of our soldiers that he says he got saved. Yeah. He said, when I left Springfield to assume the presidency, I asked the people to pray for me. I was not a Christian. Y'all remember the prophecies from Ken Clement about the current president? He will not have my spirit when he enters office, but then he will. When I buried my son, the severest trial of my life, I was not a Christian. 
But when I went to Gettysburg and saw the graves of thousands of our soldiers, I then and there consecrated myself to Christ. So as Americans celebrate Thanksgiving each year, we hope that we will retain our original gratefulness to God and display that in our homes and amongst our families and friends. Because most people aren't thankful in this culture anymore. And it's easy not to be thankful. Uh, I think a a big cause of it is uh, the things that God has blessed us with (laughs) to try and show His goodness. Because it's the goodness of God that brings repentance. But sometimes all the things that He has blessed us with... um, gets in the way of us remembering who the giver is. Amen? I just want to tell you another story. There was a preacher called Matthew Henry a long time ago. Most preachers have his commentaries. But he was a traveling preacher, kind of like my great-grandfather was. But he was traveling one day and he got robbed going from town to town you know on horseback and most people wouldn't think of that as a as a circumstance to give thanks but he did and he wrote in his diary these words he said i'm thankful that during these years i have never been robbed before also Even though they took my money, they did not take my life. Although they took all I had, it wasn't much. Finally, I'm grateful that it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. There's always something to be thankful for. Amen? Until we see him face to face... There's always something that he's done to keep us kicking here. Amen. Amen. And there's a reason. And we should be looking into that. Romans 121 says, let me look over to Romans real quick. Romans chapter 1 is pretty powerful. This is one of the chapters that uh, the, uh, try not to pick on anybody, a lot of, (laughs) there is a large portion of what's called the church today that is not really the church, okay? That's just the truth. And... You can recognize a lot of them by uh, the, the fact that they have disregarded large portions of this book. And Romans, the first chapter, is one of those that must be disregarded if, uh, if you're going to go on about your business the way that some people have decided is okay with God. <laughs> but I just want to talk to you about the beginning portion in verse... Uh, Uh, 
Well, let's just start at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And they hear in the truth, but they, they don't want to hear, you see. They don't want to hear the truth. They suppress it. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. God has revealed himself to everyone. You ever heard that that saying, there's no atheists in foxholes? <laughs> I got a friend who, when he was in Vietnam, he, he said there wasn't, it was, he was the most ungodly uh, company he was uh, in, and he was the chaplain's assistant. And bullets would be whizzing over their heads, and he said those same guys that, that were cursing God the day before would be crying out to him in that foxhole. Because there's a part of everybody that really knows there is a God and they're not Him. Amen. But they suppress that truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived even since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. He said all you got to do is look around and you can see that there's a God. All this beautiful creation doesn't come out of uh, an explosion. Order does not come out of chaos, you see. So they're without excuse. For although they knew God, look at that, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immoral God For the immortal God, for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So, he said, although God revealed himself to him, they chose to take and carve a a bird or a a little dude, you know, and set it on their mantle and they pray to this stupid thing. (laughs) And he, yeah, he's just shaking his head. But that's what happens. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. That's uh, the condition of those with a hardened heart. And how they did it. You know. It's not something that. There's stages. To us walking away from God. When we refuse to honor. And to esteem God. And his wonderful blessings. When we stop being thankful. For the things that he does. And has done in our life. When our imaginations. Are only self-serving. You know. Christian hope is a is using our imaginations for in a godly way, a godly imagination. You know, God, show me the vision that you have. Show me the wonderful plan you have for my life. Help me to see it. And then he puts something, when you get into agreement with him and you spend time with him, he will begin to give you the desires of your heart. You see, when people say, God's going to give me the desires of my heart, that means... You know, this new car and this new house and all that. Well, he doesn't care about all that. He, he doesn't mind you having it. He just doesn't want it having you. But when you get on the same page with God, 
And you learn to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. That's a promise. Just put him first. And then he said, the name is three, three. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? He said, once you get into agreement with him, then he will give you the desires of your heart because he's going to start sharing things with you. He's going to begin to reveal some things to you. And his the desires that he places in your heart will be his desires. And you'll be in agreement. Amen? But when we stop honoring him as God and start th- stop thanking him, become futile in our thinking, it says. We don't esteem him. We stop being thankful and we become foolish and uh, our hearts get hardened. It, it, the Bible talks a lot about waxing cold. And what they're talking about is like having a, a bucket of hot wax and you take a start with a string and you dip it. You take it out and it dries and you dip it again. And it dries. I didn't make candles in the old days, you see. It waxed cold. Layer after layer after layer. It doesn't happen just all at one time. People don't turn completely away from God all at once. It happens over time. And that's why some of the hardest things, especially when you're trying to minister to people who have built their entire life around a lie. It's so hard to reach those people. Because now what do they do? You know, at one time they knew what they were building on was a lie. They knew it wasn't of God. But they wanted it in their mind. They had a thought. They entertained that sinful thought. Long enough. They tried it out. Every sin starts with a thought. That's why I always say like the birds. You can't stop them from flying over your head. But you can keep them from making a nest on your head. You can decide what you think on. They entertain that thought long enough. It's going to manifest. It's going to give birth to sin. It's going to be spoken. It's going to be acted on. You can't go anywhere with your body that you haven't already been in your mind. Amen. Nevertheless, we wax cold. They they start... At first, it's just something maybe they're trying out. But every, just like everything with the devil... He's going to take you further than you want to go. He's going to keep you later than you want to stay. And he's going to charge you more than you want to pay. And if you entertain that thing too long. Remember what we were talking about. About spiritual laws and how God works in our lives. He put spiritual laws in place for our benefit. To, to help us. Like the law of sowing and reaping. and Gravity and things like that. But they can also kill us if we sowing the wrong seed and we don't uh, we don't uh, respect gravity you know <laughs> right at a certain point a spirit can come in they get a legal right 
because you're in agreement. The devil has, you have, as a Christian, you have full power over all the works of the devil, not over the devil. You can't tell the devil to do this and do that. You can tell him, you ain't doing it to me. And you have all the authority in the name of Jesus. You know. But when you continue to agree with the devil on any given subject, he ends up with a legal right to a a door of opportunity into your life. And he will come in and eat your lunch and pop the bag. And then he will come in and, and, and then it can become demonic, you see. I have a friend that had a guy that came to him and he was... <clears throat> I've known people that... You know, I have a sister who's uh, who's, uh, who's a lesbian. She's been that way all of my uh, adult life, you know, ever since I was a little kid. And I love her so much, you know. We talk on the phone. I go and see her and I love her. But um, there are... I know of other people that are maybe they they entertain these ideas and maybe have dabbled in some things they shouldn't, and then they then they get free, you know. But I have a friend who's a minister. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. When you go so far, and then the enemy comes in and makes a stronghold in your life, then you then then, it's, then you're oppressed and you're demonized, you know. I don't know how I got into this. Lord, help me through it. <laughs> it's somebody overseas that's going to be listening. They need this. Anyway, they were helping. Uh, they were helping people back back at this at this church, and um, and they were seeing a lot of great results. Uh, Deaf ears were opened and blind eyes and and uh, and uh, just all, all sorts of cool things were happening and and this one guy came in and he wanted to be free of this uh, this uh, spirit of uh, homosexuality and he said he wasn't going to leave because Andrew didn't want to do it because he was there by himself and he was using working with a partner at the time they were new to all this stuff. <laughs> So he said, no, I'm not going to do it because there's two guys there. And just him, he goes, you come back on this other day or whatever. He goes, I'm, I'm, no, I'm ready. I need to be free. I'm, I'm not leaving. And this guy, he started acting up. And, uh, and Andrew started praying. And this demon in him went crazy. And this thing started climbing up the walls and... Believe me or not, I've, I've seen too much of this stuff not to believe that it's true and it happens. And, uh, and you know, they're really strong too sometimes. But uh, like the sons of Sceva, remember them in the Bible? <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll get there another time. But anyway, he remembered the simplicity of the gospel. Thank God. Because the Holy Spirit will remind us of everything that Jesus has said. And he just... He just stopped instead of thinking he had to have some kind of special, special prayer or special, you know, you know, do this, do that, you know, spit in a bucket, all this nonsense like they used to do. He just said, shut up, come out of him in the name of Jesus. 
threw that guy down on the ground. And when he got up, he was free. But, man, I was trying to talk about being thankful today. (laughs) Well, he was very thankful after that. (laughs) (laughs) First Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks. And I'm going to tell you today, this is wise. Wise. Give thanks, not just, like I was saying, it's, I was talking to a friend earlier today, and I was telling her that the Bible says that even, even the world is good to people that are good to them. You know, they're, they're good to their friends. What good does that do us? We're supposed to be different. We can love those who are not lovely. I mean, look how God feels about you. <laughs> hey, he definitely loved you while you were still a sinner. Amen. The Bible says that. And that's how we're supposed to do. But in everything, give thanks. And if you'll do it even when things look bad and when nobody else is thanking for anything and things look rough and things are tough in the natural if you will be that one because sometimes the hardest thing to do is just, I mean our arms they don't compared to our muscle ratio they don't weigh that much but sometimes <laughs> the hardest thing to do is raise holy hands to God and give him praise you know feels like the heaviest thing in the world <laughs> but if you'll if you'll make yourself do it, you'll start seeing results in your life like never before. Many things can reveal in us uh, an attitude of ingratitude. The trials of life. Life is hard. I mean, it's hard It's hard to be a preacher sometimes. It's better when I don't know anything about anybody. But, you know, as you get to know people, <laughs> because, <laughs> as you get to know people, you know that life is hard and everybody has hardships. Everybody's had great trials in their life. And so it's hard to to tell people to always be thankful and always do this and always do that. And, and God says you're prosperous and God says you're healed and God says this and that and the other. And it's all true. And I know it's true. Otherwise, I wouldn't keep saying it. Because I know that it, it 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 hurts sometimes, you know, because it because because when you're talking to people who have been through something very severe, it almost seems like you're taking that lightly. No, I'm not, and God isn't, but He wants you to believe Him, because that devil is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And everything that you are hurting about, everywhere you hurt, every way you hurt, physically, emotionally, spiritually, it's not God who did it. It's the thief, the devil. Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And he's trying to show you how to live a life of faith, to have, to use 
faith as the hand that reaches out and obtains the things that have been provided by grace. And I'm telling you that all the love, joy, and peace that you'll ever need in this life, you already have if you have Jesus. And you need to learn how to draw on it from the scriptures by believing the promises of God instead of the lies of the devil. If Adam and Eve would have just trusted that God didn't give us one rule because he was trying to keep us down, keep us from knowing things or being like him, like the devil lied to them and convinced them. If they had just trusted him, because look at every good thing he gave them. The one thing they didn't have or couldn't have is what the devil made them want. They should have just ran him off and focused on all the good things and ran and told their daddy what that devil had tried to do. You see? But they didn't. We lose a lot in this life. We're going to lose everything one day. Like I always say, the only thing we can take to heaven with us is souls. So you might as well get after it. But we have confrontation. Thanksgiving's coming. Keep that in mind. Don't, don't let the devil do that. He loves strife. You know why? Because there power, there's power in agreement. There's power in agreement. That's why Satan hates marriage. Because he, there's the most powerful relationship in the world. Next to our, your relationship with the Lord... Your relationship with your spouse is the most powerful thing God ever created as far as relationship goes. The Bible says one can put a thousand to flight to ten thousand. Well, if if I can put a thousand demons to flight, how come two of us can't put two thousand to flight? It's multiplied by ten. It's amazing. So the power of agreement. So don't let strife enter in. When you recognize it coming... If you can just do yourself a favor and stop looking at everything after the flesh, you'll win. Flesh and blood is not your enemy. It's the devil. That's what the Bible says. And if you were just think of that, I don't care if you just have to picture that person as a little baby or naked or whatever you got to do. People got tricks they use. <laughs> ben Carson, the director of HUD for uh, President's cabinet. He ran for president. He's a good man. He's a, uh, the, the brain surgeon, right? <laughs> That's what he says. He just, when, when people are ugly and acting crazy, he just thinks of them as little children. He pictures them as little children that just need his help, you know. And really, that's sort of true in the sense that uh, if you don't have Christ, you, you're, they're, you're what they, 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 you have something they need. You know, and I guarantee if you go to complaining about people enough, the Lord will stop you and he will remind you of that. You know, he told a a minister that I I listened to sometimes, he said, you know, I love that person too. Because he was telling him, I did that, I'm so mad. Oh, I just want to give him a piece of my mouth. He said, you know, I love them and I died for them too. And you know that you, you, you know me, you have me and they don't. And they need me just like you needed me when you when you found when I found you. So that's how God feels. And matter of fact, in uh, in the Proverbs it says, as long as we keep our eyes 
I can't remember. You have to find it. <laughs> Scripture. As long as our eyes are on someone else. In other words, we're, we're ticked off at somebody or judging someone else. God's eyes will stay focused on us. You want him to fix that problem or that person or deal with that. Forgive him. Then he'll take it up. That's exactly the way it works. Believe me or don't. As long as you don't, he sits back and he's going to let you deal with it. Every time you want to take his place or his job, he's going to let you try. He he will respect that he gave you that free will and he's going to let you ride it all the way to heaven or hell. Your choice though, not his. It's his desire that everyone should be saved. He wants to know everybody. He wants you to be his best friend. And he's right there waiting. But and to the extent that we choose not to be thankful, not to choose him, he will allow them, even though it hurts him. Because, see, he was looking for a family, not of robots, but of children that would love him for him. And just like the angels, they have a, they, they, they're not robots either, you know. One day you will judge angels. That's a sobering thought. Doesn't that make your life as a Christian something more to be more thoughtful of? Like, it's a serious thing, isn't it? You know, when I read that the first time, it it threw me for a loop. Paul was getting on to the Corinthian church about taking each other to court. He says, believers suing each other, taking your problems before an unbeliever? He said, Did there any among you have enough wisdom to figure out a little problem? Don't you know one day you're going to judge angels? Can't you even solve this little problem? And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. What did he just say? That's pretty serious. Look at Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 verse 11 on the way to Jerusalem he, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee and as he entered a village he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. They had to. The law. (laughs) They couldn't approach people. They lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. That's awesome prayer. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. When they make a note of that too, you notice he asked them to do something. This isn't a message about faith and how to receive your your miracle today. It's about being thankful, which is another way to receive your miracle. But if you, I'll challenge you every time that a miracle happens. For someone in the Bible, they required, there's something required of them. 
Smith Wigglesworth was a great, uh, he had a great healing ministry back in the uh, last century. Well, not the last century, the century before that. <laughs> Golly, I'm getting old. But uh, when his wife died, he raised her back from the dead. And she said, Smith, let me go. I was with Jesus. <laughs> so he let her go on. But he would, he's the one that I told you about that would, like, people write him letters, like, come, come to this city in England or something. And, and, and back then it was rough traveling. And, you know, we've got a person in our family, this situation, and they need healing or whatever. He said, he'd write back and tell them, I only come if they're willing to be healed. And what he meant by that, if I come, you have to be willing. We're going to be in a room together, and you're not, you're not going to quit. Praying and believing with me until you're well. Because he had no doubt that it was available. But he just believed that most people are so spiritually lazy that we miss half of or more of what God has for us. And in this particular story he wrote, they did agree and he went and they stayed and got healed. Sometimes it's instantaneous, sometimes it's gradual. John G. West, who lived up in Spokane, Washington, he had a ministry up there. And uh, back during one of those terrible plagues that used to be in the States in the 1800s. And he, he their sickness was so bad. There were hospitals everywhere. And, you know, he would send his disciples or whatever you want to call them, his students or whatever, out with just a bottle of anointing of, of, of oil and, uh, and a Bible when people were sick and they called on and they sent two of them. They said, don't come back until they're, they're healed. And they closed down every hospital in that town except for one because of his ministry. Anyway, he said, as you go and show yourself to the priest. This was something to do with the laws of those days. They had to go and show themselves to the prison. Be clean. Anyway, as they went, they were healed of leprosy. All ten of them. Amen? <clears throat> then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. This was not even a Jew that Jesus had done this for. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? I, I healed ten of you. Only one of you came back? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, rise. He said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. The real word there for well is whole. The King James. He was sozo, which is all-inclusive. In other words, it's God's will to heal everybody. Amen. And he makes he makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust, right? In other words, God is just good. He's good to everybody. He healed all 10 of them. But 
If you know anything about leprosy, only this one got his parts back. <laughs> you, know? you know, whatever fingers and toes and ears had fallen off, he got it back. The others, they, the, 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 the disease left their body and it stopped destroying anything else. But this one that came back and was thankful, he got everything back. And he got to know the Lord. I think that's a, a grateful person. And I think that a lot of times we get so busy, so preoccupied with ourselves. And being self-centered instead of Christ-centered is really the root of all kinds of grief. And it always be a source of pain in our lives. The best thing to do when you're not, when you're blue, is go do something for somebody else. It works. You ever notice that? Get up, make your bed, put your clothes on, take a shower, go do something nice for somebody else. The next thing you know, you'll be singing happy if you happy and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> Relatively few people who receive the goodness of the Lord return to give Him thanks for what He's done. But we should. The Lord keeps on doing good. And we ought to keep on giving Him thanks. Remember the messages about spirit, soul, and body. Well, the Lord, He desires that we prosper and be in good health, even as our souls prosper. He doesn't just want us healed physically. He wants us healed in every way. Spiritually too. And thankfulness to the Lord for what He's done is, is sort of like a, a spiritual thermometer for our lives. The Bible says examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. Judge yourself lest you be judged. You know what I mean? So it, it's not... I don't like people to be too introspective because it brings on condemnation and guilt and it kind of puts you into works, trying to earn relationship with God, trying to earn your salvation and you can't do any of that. But it doesn't hurt to take a look. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I not every day, but at least once a week, I say, Lord, how am I doing? How am I doing in this area? How am I doing here? How am I doing on this? And I, I don't mean according to the world's standards. I mean according to His. Now be careful because He's going to show you. <laughs> he disciplines those He loves, you see. But not like a lot of the church teaches. This is how He disciplines us. When you're ready to agree with Him... He will show you everything you want to know. And then just let it, just agree with it. Change it before it gets too, you get too far to where you've built your life around a lie. And then you say, I just, there's nothing I can do now. It's too late. It's never too late for starters. But God doesn't ever use sickness, poverty, Divorce, death, 
any of that kind of stuff to teach you a lesson. Ever, 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 ever. He did not do it. He never did any of that. It's not his desire. It's not his way. He does not need to do that. He's God. And if you'll just agree with him, he'll show you in his word where you're off course. And then he'll help you to get to where you need to be. Where he guides, he provides. If you'll just trust him and be thankful. Amen. I have about a million things I want to say, but this is, uh, I just feel like the Lord is just, I'll show you one more thing. It's a really cool one, it's quick, and then and I'll let you go. Okay. All right. Look at Acts. Yeah, this is really quick. Tavana threw me off, making me talk about being thankful today. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord, I'm just playing. <laughs> Wait till next week. <laughs> Acts chapter 16. It's the book right before Romans and right after the four Gospels. Acts. How the church is supposed to act. (laughs) (laughs) Representation of the early church. The Acts of the Apostles. Acts chapter 16. And. Let's see. Paul was in trouble again. Let me just kind of summarize this for you. (laughs) Paul and Silas had been beaten and thrown into prison in Philippi for preaching Jesus. Of course. They were in chains in a dungeon at midnight And when you got beat, you know, you, your back is pretty well opened up. You're hurting. You know what I mean back then. 39 lashes, usually. So anyway, they're whooped, bleeding, hurt, in chains, in a dungeon at midnight. And they began to pray and to sing praises unto God and to give thanks and I think let's, let's start around the 25th verse about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. All the chains fell off and all the prison doors swung open. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Why was he going to do that? Just because he just felt so bad about himself because he did a poor job? No. 
because in the Roman law, he, as this Roman soldier, he would have been killed had they escaped on his watch. So he was just going to do it himself. Probably less painful. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, we're all still here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. <laughs> that is so cool. The chains fell off. <laughs> and listen, all the people in the prison were listening to them when they were singing and praising and giving glory to God. And when all the chains fell off and the door swung open, the, all these other people, they weren't believers. They weren't locked up with Paul and Silas for preaching. They were just, you know, doing bad stuff and got in trouble. How come none of them left? The anointing was so strong, you see. God used that opportunity. Some people say that, that earthquake was just, you know, he saw them in such a terrible, painful situation because of him, because of preaching in his name. And then they're still down there thanking him and praising him and talking about him and singing. And, and, and he said the Lord must have got to tap in his foot, caused that earthquake. <laughs> and all the doors swung open. But you see, he used that as an opportunity for that jailer to be saved and his whole household. God is good. It's not a religious thing. It's a relational thing. And that, if you don't ever learn anything else from anything I've ever said, remember that. Jesus wants a relationship with you. He wants to be the first one you think about in the morning and the last one you talk to at night before you go to sleep. And He deserves your thanks. And if you'll do that, your life will change immediately. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, I told you I was going to stop. It's really hard. <laughs> Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for this simple message of thanksgiving. We just ask, Lord, that you will keep us mindful of this. Something that was said today, something that you planted in our hearts, let it just be nagging at us, Lord. Every time we want to open our mouths and be negative or judgmental, stop us, Lord. Put a guard over our mouths and help us in our thought lives, Lord, just to be thankful and to remember. Bring to our remembrance, Holy Spirit, all the things that we have to be thankful for. Yeah, we know that there are a lot of things that we're suffering with and from and situations and circumstances that aren't exactly ideal 
But Lord, let's not focus, help us not to focus on what the devil has taken, but on what you have promised. Let us shock the devil by excluding him and not ever bragging on anything that he has done in our lives by repeating it. But just by giving you thanks and praise for everything you have done good and everything you're going to do. We believe you, God. We love you for loving us. Help us to be that person that is not afraid of man to the point that we will go and share you and the good news and the good things that you want for them and the good things you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.